Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined by the champion of geography, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I told you at the beginning, I don't remember... You don't remember what that's in reference no, to? No, it was something from the show last week. I just don't remember specifically what it was. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, so before we get... Before we actually get into the show, I've got to tell you about the cigar I brought you. I'm very excited. Isn't that how we usually get into the show anyway? Well, one of the joys of being a cigar guy is getting to gift cigars to the other people. You know, we've got an article later about things people, unexpected things people find out about the cigar industry Mm -hmm. from the outsiders looking in. But one of the joys of being a cigar guy is getting to gift cigars that something unique. Yeah. So what I'm holding and what I have provided for you, look at that oily, rich wrapper. And well, all I, that. I don't have enough light in this cave <laughs> to, to actually see that, but I'll take your word for it. That rich Habano color, that's only, if you, if I was looking for a crayon that said that. Um, it was the color of a cigar. The color would be Habano. So these are from an unnamed source. I managed to procure. These are actually Cohiba. Cohiba Siglo 6s. Oh, wow. That don't have a label on them because the source I know happened to run across some guys that had 600 of them. And normally I wouldn't purchase that, but this is a man of outstanding reputation. And after right. I smoked one, I knew, yes, this is a Cuban cigar. Oh, wow. So the rare time... You're lifting your moratorium on Cubans, huh? Well, the rare time that we're going to smoke a Cuban on the show, because I want to see if it is... I want to see if it is the experience I had while smoking it or if it is that good a cigar. Okay. I'm interested to see if I wasted my money. So I, I'm looking to you for a neutral opinion upon actually what the cigar is going to be. Now, so what I'm expecting and what I'm used to, Cuban cigars are not known for their strength. True. Um, people all the time think about Cuban cigars and they think of strength. And Cuban cigars, they were never known for their strength. They're known for complexity. They're known for their their draw, their construction. They're known for being a cigar guy's cigar without having to do... Is it is it an American thing that you want a cigar that knocks your socks off? Is that a, an American trait? Yes, it is. Yeah. I've is talked it, to a lot of reps who've spent some time overseas uh, looking at other uh, markets and things like that, and the, the pursuit of strength is pretty well American. Now, granted... Americans make up the majority of cigar smokers across the world anyway, so I don't know how much of that you can blame on Americans being Americans and how much it is that it just, that's because we make up the majority. And this is about a 6 by 58. I would say it's a 58, 56, somewhere in there. It's not quite a 60. I know it's a little larger than your usual cigar that you smoke. not by much. No, not by much, and... If I'm going to give it to you, you know you're going to receive a larger ring gauge cigar because I don't tend to purchase small ring gauge cigars. But I'm even, I'm fine. I'm happy with a 58 or a 56. I mean, I I, I do smoke not as frequently as you do, but pretty often. Well, and these are, they're a little bigger than six. They're probably six and a quarters because I was putting them in a box in my humidor and a six by 60 box wouldn't hold them. I had to go to a little longer box to actually hold them because they came, again, he got them and they were just in a bundle. At all, so he managed to wrangle me a, a few of them. So Interesting. It's, I'm interested to see what your your take on this particular smoke is going to be. The draw is excellent. 
Um, the construction on it has been excellent. This will be the third one of these I smoked. I ended up smoking two last night because I was sitting here with him smoking and all before the poker game. And Monday night, I didn't even have a cigar. I'm, let me tell you, this is how you know it's not an addiction. Monday, it was. It never got above 24 degrees all day in Tennessee. Right. So Monday, I did not have a cigar. I just didn't have one. It was not. It was not a time when I could enjoy it. I wasn't coming all the way up to the shop just for a cigar, and I knew I would be there Tuesday. So I just said, "Tonight, the day is a no cigar day," mm-hmm. and it didn't bother me. It wasn't like I had nicotine fits and right. started shaking at the end of the night. Yeah. And now the first one I smoked yesterday did taste very good, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it didn't it didn't um, take away from it. And also, I'm going. You've got yours lit up. What's your What was your first impression? Um, the I, I really haven't gotten anything yet. I've, the uh, the the wrapper's actually a little cracked on mine right near the the head of it. So I'm, I'm trying to position it in such a way that I get that it doesn't affect the draw are you roughing up your cigar over there is that what it is are you are you being a little brutal with the cutter are you just going in no it was like that before I cut it actually we were looking at a picture online of a rep that will remain unnamed and I said how could he do that to a cigar he cut a, a good half inch off the end of that oh, cigar yeah, yeah there was no shoulder left when you cut your cigar there should be a clear shoulder left. Yeah. Because all you're doing is trying to snip off the, the cap. actual cap. Yeah. And all. So go ahead and get into our first article. All right. Light well, this I mean, cigar. Yeah, we're not going to bury the lead this week. We've got, you know, there's been some big news coming coming through uh, the industry lately. Oh, my gosh. There it is. Okay. I had to pull up the article. Um, so the PCA show that's coming up in, 20, in July of this year. Has gotten a lot of news with, we talked about last week, four of the major players backing out and saying they weren't going to show up. Drew Estate, Altitis, General, and I don't remember the other one. Davidoff. Davidoff, thank you. See, they're just so off my radar. I just never yeah, think about them. Yeah, Davidoff's totally off my radar. Right, so, um, Ooh, I got a little kick of pepper right there. I didn't have that on the first one of these I smoked. <laughs> Um, it's a little leftovers from dinner. Is that what I, it is? I don't know what it is. Um, but so following that, and there was actually some news reported earlier this week that actually McAuliffe's not going to be going this week, this year either. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my ear out to see how many more cigar companies are making the, the jump. Although this being reported by aficionado, I think, is going to have more of your major players, you know, kind of coming out in support. Basically, uh, La Florida Dominicana, J.C. Newman, um, who's as Ashton, and Fuente have all come out, as well as Rocky Patel and Gurkha, saying, we're still in. Basically voicing their support for the PCA. And that was where you were supposed to jump in. Well, I was puffing my cigar. Well, this doesn't have to be a divisive occurrence. Okay, these, you know, so yesterday I happened to be here and a rep for one of the big four was in here and he sat down with me and my other friend and, boy, sounds like I'm holding a clandestine meeting planning to overthrow the world because I don't want to, I don't want to name these guys' names because one gave me some cigars that might be considered illegal 
and the other one is beholden to a to one of the big four. So mm-hmm. I don't want to divulge my sources on these things. Well, and just to clarify, by big four, you mean the four that announced they wouldn't be going to the show. Correct. Not necessarily the biggest four manufacturers in the company in the in the industry. Yeah, but I would say they are the biggest <laughs> four manufacturers in the industry. But J.C. Newman's got a pretty good hold. Yeah, J.C. Newman, Fuente, that Perdomo, Perdomo probably more so than even Newman or Fuente, because Perdomo is kind of more the common man's cigar. Yeah, but Fuente's selling a lot more cigar, cigars. Well, J.C. Newman and Fuente, to, you know, they're they're selling a lot more than Perdomo, but I don't see Perdomo listed on here. Yeah, it's right or, down there at the bottom. Rocky Patel Premium Cigars, oh, Perdomo, Perdomo Gurkha, and Ace Prime. Maker of the Picardo that we both mm-hmm. like, that I wish somebody around here would carry. And oh, do they have them at Smokers Abbey yet? Mm-mm. He said they were getting them when we had him on the show. Right. That all. So hopefully they'll get them there and I can go pick up a couple because I really enjoyed that I particular smoke. Um, the rep was there and he said, you know, the official company line was tell the retailers, fine if you want to go, we're going to make deals anyway. And, um, you ought to consider going to TPC. The TPC show, which is January 29th and 30th of this month in Vegas. Here's my complaint with TPC. It also includes vaping and e-cigarettes and all that. I do think a premium cigar company should stay away from that stuff. Yeah, but is this a is this a join or die movement? I mean, is this one of those things that we're, we're stronger together than we... I mean, clearly... You know, marijuana and vape and cigars have wide differences. Um, cigars being more different from the other two than they are from each other. But you know, is this a situation where we're all under attack? So let's pool our resources and and you know go down swinging together. I don't know. I would I would rather see vape gone. I mean, I would rather I would not want to support anything that's helping vape because I don't think vape helps the cigar industry. I don't think vape helps anyone. Well, so there's, you know, well, I hate to be on that because you have cartoon hatred for vape. You know, it, the thing is, a lot of the major, like the Blue and the Jewel, are both owned by major cigarette manufacturers. So they're getting it either way. Right. But cigarette and vape could go away and cigars still would be fine. Yeah. And all cigars will be because the. Yeah, but I don't ever root for an industry to go under. Uh, yeah, I think these are people trying look- to make a living and trying to do it in the best way they know how with the expertise that they've amassed. And, and I don't think that we should ever be, you know, just because they fall down doesn't make us taller. But I also don't think they bring anything to the collective. I think they are parasites. I think vape and cigarettes are parasites on the tobacco industry. And I don't want to encourage the remoras to be clinging to my sharks that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're you're more than welcome <laughs> to that opinion. I just, I if if the only way cigars survive is if vaping and cigarettes also survive, then I'd rather have that than the alternative. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can I can make that concession that if they told me the only way I could still enjoy premium cigars is if vape lived, I, I'd probably be okay with that. Yeah, and all because at the end of the day. Your kids smoking comes down to what you say to your kids. It really has very little to do with they can get goofy grape or if they have to have tobacco-flavored tobacco. Right. 
and all. It comes down to how you raise your children. It does not come down to what marketing. You know, if you raise your children where they're susceptible to every marketing ploy that comes through, vaping is going to be the least of their problems as they grow up. Right. But it is good. There, you know, several companies are standing up with the PCA, and they are saying, "Okay, we're still coming to the show." And maybe this will be a wake-up call because I made the statement: um, "Is PC to the to the rep I happen to be talking to?" I said, "Is PCA just a poorly run organization, and this is the only way that y'all felt like you could get their attention?" He said, "You said that I didn't." But I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, and also very political, well, <laughs> politically correct answer. Yeah, and all, and I had him over a barrel. I mean, I I was trying to be a gentleman and not, you know, hey, I can't wait to get you on record on there. So yeah, I'm, of course, I'm, I'm always trying to be a gentleman in the cigar you, you, lounge. You hid the mic in your lapel, so you weren't that, just right out there blatant with it. That, that's right. I didn't make him sign the affidavit exactly, <laughs> stating that he was against the PCA. But I will say it's interesting, you know, th- these companies are really doubling down in terms of, you know, LFD in their announcement kind of wrote that this event has been instrumental in the success of their company. They've been a part of it for all of the 25 years since they've been a company. J.C. Newman even brought out the fact that they've been going to the trade shows since it was RTDA back in 1933 on the first ever one. So, you know, they're, they're talking about 87 years of legacy. everyone's really leaning hard on the fact that PCA, RTDA, IPCPR, whatever name they were going by at the time, has been instrumental and they've been around for a long time. But this is one of those things I don't really get. Just because you've been around forever doesn't mean that you still have value. Right. Buggy manufacturers don't have, didn't have value after the automobile came out, even though they've been around forever. Exactly. You know, and if there's, if the people in the industry are are feeling like they need a new voice, and I feel like they at least deserve to be heard in their complaint as opposed to just saying, no, this is, this is the one that we've always used, you know, was the most dangerous phrase in the English language, well, we've always done it that way. Right. We've always done it that way, so it must be right. Yeah. You know, and, and the PCA has done some, some good things for the cigar industry, don't get me wrong, but it... it when you have four of the biggest players in the industry saying, we don't really feel like your views and your goals align with ours as an industry anymore, I think that's worth taking notice. It is, and the PCA should be the ones taking notice. Mm -hmm. They should put in some initiatives that say, and that's probably what this is, this, for lack of a better word, boycott is all about. Right. Is PCA needs to go to those four big manufacturers and say, what do we need to do to serve you better that you feel comfortable coming to our show? Right. They don't need to take the ego-driven standpoint. Although, from the article we read last week, apparently, uh, I forget which of the companies it was, um, I want to say it was Davidoff, had actually asked the PCA for you know some, some guidelines and some th- right. they'd asked for some information to try and kind of bring that conversation to the table and basically were stonewalled and, and never got a response. So... I think that's pretty telling of, of PCA. I will say Cigar Rights of America is also on this list of people that came out in support of PCA. And, they, you know, they've been partners for a long time. The Cigar Rights of America has done a lot for the industry, especially as it's come to this FDA um, legislation that's been looming over our heads for the last almost 10 years, it feels like. And, you know... 
to see them standing behind PCA, part of me wonders how much of it is donation money. And, and part of me wonders how much of it is just, you know, kind of standing behind a storied partnership. Well, so here's the thing. If I was going to write a check to help the cigar industry, it would have CRA in the line. Right. I would be sending it to CRA. If I was going to be writing, you know, putting my money where my mouth is every week, it would definitely not be to the PCA. It would be to the CRA because mm-hmm. they seem to have it mostly together. Right. And all. that's who I would want to support. And all. they're a great company. And and they're doing some good stuff fundraising-wise. And all. that's one of the things I want to talk about. This CRA sampler, yeah, this came out just very recently. I mean, this uh, this week, in fact. They have put together a sampler pack that is, I mean, just incredible. So it's about 160 bucks, and every cigar in it is branded with the CRA logo. It includes an Alec Bradley Mundial, uh, Diamond Crown Black Diamond, Don Pepin Original, uh, Opus X Destino Al Siglo, La Roma de Cuba Noblesse, uh, LFD Andalusian Bull, nah. <laughs> Oliva Serie V Milanio, uh, Padrone Black number 200, which we're going to talk about a little bit more here in a moment. Yeah, I've never seen one of those in the wild. I haven't either. Uh, the Rocky Patel 50th and the Tatawahe uh, Fausto. And the Rocky 50th. Don't sleep on the Rocky 50th. Right. That is an outstanding smoke, one of and, my favorites. And you'll notice that's the Rocky 50th with the orange label, not the red one. So that's the original. Well, in this pack, I'm looking at Neptune Cigars' website, and I would say Neptune Cigars is the one that has it. Um, it's one fifty-seven fifty with free shipping. So, and they are in stock. I'm really surprised. I figured they would be out of stock, but it, at one fifty-seven fifty, so it's sixteen bucks a stick for ten sticks. All those are better than sixteen dollars sticks. Absolutely. And I will say, speaking of kind of putting your mouth, money where your mouth is when it comes to supporting the CRA, this the pack also includes a one-year individual membership to the CRA. So, you know, staying up on the news that's affecting the industry, you get a couple of other... I was looking at the benefits to their membership. It's actually not bad. You get two limited-edition CRA cigars. I don't know if that is also included in this or if this is kind of, you know, if you buy the sampler, if you still get that. Um, six months of Cigar Insider magazine, which is one of my favorite cigar mag- magazines. Um, members only events, members only discounts, uh, merch ability. You know, like, there's a couple of other things that you know. It's there. There are some benefits to being a member. You know, it's regularly twenty five dollars, and you're getting it for free. So if you factor that in, it, it becomes about fourteen dollars a cigar. Right, and uh, and you know. Uh, a Fuente, a Fuente Opus X limited edition. That's a $20 cigar. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it. The 50th is a $20 cigar. I got to think the Padron Black's a $20, $20 cigar. I, I don't know. I've never, Like I said, I've never seen one in the wild, but the, the Black Diamond's a $20 cigar, and the Mundial's a $16 cigar. Yeah, the Leva Serie V Milanio in the Figurato, which is, to me, the best size. Right. I like that better than the one they came out with in the Churchill. Mm-hmm. And also, this is a pretty, this is a pretty good group. I mean, pretty good grouping of cigars. I would not be a, be hesitant at all to make this purchase. But let's talk about that Padron Black. That that really fascinates me. So they did the thing I hate: wrapper undisclosed, binder undisclosed, filler undisclosed. You know, really, fellas, 
you can tell us that it's, you know, Cuban seed Nicaraguan right. or, you know, you don't really have to um, have to undisclose that. But I guess they're trying to add the mystique to the cigar. Oh, I'm sure. And now this is my concern. Padron's not known for their strong, strong cigars. And this looks like it would be a very full bodied cigar. I don't know. I find their cigars to be very medium full, I mean, especially in the thousand series like this. And if you put a Maduro wrapper on one of those, I'm, I'm sure it's going to even even take it up a notch. Um, I, I I definitely wouldn't call a Padrona a light cigar until you're talking about you know the natural 64. It, it definitely lightens the body, but it it brings a flavor so much that you don't really notice. Well, and I did not care for the Damaso. That was just yeah. not my favorite cigar that Padron made. That's one of the few Padrones I've had that I'm kind of like, eh. You know, Don't I had, ever need to have another one. Yeah, I had one, and that was plenty. And all, But um, it was released in November of 2019, and the reviews on it are excellent. And all that deep, rich Padron flavor. Um, the um, They say the draw is far too open. But that's that's Padron. I want yeah. Padron feels like you're sipping through a straw, and it, that's the draw I want. Right, especially in that thousand series, I found them to be very very light. They're lo- they're wrapped so softly, like you can really give them a good squeeze, and and they and they respond to that well. But um, but yeah, this was originally released as a TAA exclusive, which is another organization I expect to see making a push as PCA falls apart. Yeah, you would think that, which the problem is, it's so hard to become a TAA store. Right. Becoming a TAA store is such a rigmarole. I talked to Austin about it here one night. I said, you know, it it seemed to me that that would be worth the effort. And he's like, well, it's not, you've got to have so many years in the industry as one store before you can even apply for membership. Right. So it's a pretty exclusive club, which I'm, I'm not, how... How much does it benefit you to make the club that exclusive? I don't know. Well, I think if you're if you're the store that participates, I think it does because of how many manufacturers make TAA exclusive cigars, and there are people out there that will, you know, move heaven and earth to find some of those cigars. Yeah, I mean, here locally, um, probably the closest ones Burns and Chattanooga. Yeah, I think so. And uh, Burns and Chattanooga is a TAA store. Corona Cigar in Orlando, they're a TAA store. Um, those are the two big ones that I've been to that I that I've purchased. You know, the Willie Herrera TAA was out, outstanding. One of our friends here brought me one, and just an outstanding cigar. Matter of fact, I need to see if he if he sees any Padron Blacks there. But I probably I'll, there's probably a purchase of this sample pack in my future. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm very seriously considering it just because there are some cigars in that sampler that. Like I said, I've never seen before and probably would never put my hands on otherwise. But. Well, as long as we're talking about legislation and things like that, we can talk about it a little further. Um, the, the Columbus Telegram this week released an article, and we can talk about that a little bit after the break, but basically they denied the injunction that little cigars shouldn't be lumped in with cigarettes. And also, let's take a break, and when we get back, let's talk about that. Let's take a look into that a little closer. We'll be back with that and more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, we want to talk about one we've probably talked about it before, but it's worth mentioning again. It's the Illusione Rothschilds. 
we have talked so many times about how Illusione is one of those cigar brands that you walk by in the humidor every day and never even realize it because they don't spend the money on marketing and creating these fancy boxes. All of the money you spend on that cigar was directly related to the care and construction that was put into that cigar, and the Illusione Rothschild is a perfect example of that. The Illusione Rothschild, it's a four and a half by 50. It's a great smoke. The wrapper is an Ecuadorian Connecticut Maduro San Andreas. So that's a lot going on in the wrapper of a cigar. It is. And you can tell it when you smoke it. You can really tell the flavor. Um, it's Nicaraguan binder and fillers. It's just a, a great full smoke. It lasts longer than you think it will to be that small. I was about to say, this is a great one for the road cigar. You know, at four and a half by 50, it's about a 30 to 45 minute smoke. But you don't, I find sometimes when I grab a cigar to, you know, because I, because I've smoked too much of my cigar to have enough left to make it home. So oftentimes I'll stick around and I'll grab another one for the, for the trip, depending on where I am. And oftentimes I feel like you compromise a little bit on the quality of cigar when you're picking just based on size and time alone. This is a perfect example of when that's not the case. Yeah, this is the this is a great go-to cigar. This is a great cigar for I've only got a little bit of time to smoke, but I'd like to get one in. Um, this is a great cigar for when my wife first started quitting flavored cigars. This is one of the ones I put her on because she wasn't ready for a 660, mm-hmm. and uh, which I smoke a 660 in about the time it takes her to smoke a Rothschild. Right, and you know a box of 50 at 267 is not bad. No, it's 5.95 a stick in most places. You're well under eight dollars when you get this cigar. Um, just an outstanding cigar. Until next week, try the Illusione Rothschild. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, with the man who's all broken up about Prince Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family. Trade dead. I could not possibly <laughs> care less. <laughs> okay, explain to me what the purpose of the royal family is. They are a figurehead. Uh, I, I don't. You, I have no idea. Uh, well, I, I, I follow. I, I stopped caring, caring about the royal family in 1776. Well, I think they, they serve themselves well by staying under the radar. They really stay under the radar so nobody ever actually stops and says, hey, why do we have a royal family? And I'm surprised that 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 they haven't turned to feed upon themselves. You know, any movement eventually starts feeding upon yeah. their own. Well, the, you know, and the... You know, the Brit- British public tend to be fairly divided on, you know, because they, they do have a, you know, democratically run government. You know, the, the queen doesn't really do much aside from, you know, appear on the money and the postage stamps at this point. You know, the speech and the thing like that, it's all ceremony and it's all, there's really not a whole lot of legislative power at this point. Um, from my understanding, some you know, well, you a- know, Anglophiles are going to be yelling at their phones at this point. It was it was interesting because that was one of the things in the. If you ever get the chance to read the book World War Z, don't watch the movie. The movie has nothing to do with the book. The movie is just Brad Pitt versus zombies. It's not worth watching. But the book that Mount Max Brooks wrote about World War Z, that was one of the things that when the zombie apocalypse came to Britain, that the Queen really rallied the people. Yeah, you know, she really served as that figurehead and really rallied the people. So I guess I can see through that lens, I can see a little more yeah. benefit to having that. I'm I'm sure if if something happened that you know 
that was catastrophic to the country, that that would be someone they looked to for leadership and guidance. But I think in the day-to-day, you know, what the Queen does doesn't really impact British life very much. So tell me about the Cuban. I really like it. It's that perfect cigar. You know, both of us got here a little early and we're smoking cigars before the show tonight, which is rare. Usually when I come on the show, that's the first cigar I've had in 24 hours or more. And um, it's just, it, we both had a little stronger. You smoked the Charter Oak. Yeah. I smoked a hand roll from somebody else. And they're both a little stronger stick. You are so clandestine today. I am, man. I'm, I'm all James Bond on you. And uh, my, my truck is going to shoot out an oil slick on the way out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but the... Um, these Cubans, it's that perfect... This, to me, is what the Cuban flavor should be. It's very complex. There's, I got a little hit of pepper, and then it evened back out. Yeah. Now I'm just getting good mouthfeel, good rich tobacco. Something that I don't... You know, you mentioned mouthfeel, and it's something that we don't really talk about a whole lot on the show is the consistency and texture of the smoke itself. And the smoke... That, that's filling my mouth from this cigar is so silky smooth. It, it, unlike anything else. And it's excellent on the retro hell. Yes, it is. The retro hell is just wonderful, and I don't retro hell very often. Um, generally, if I retro hell, it's because it's a lighter cigar, and I'm trying to get a little more kick out of this right. out of it. But this one's a great cigar in the retro hell. Or accidental. Hell. Yeah, or accidental. Then I cough in the middle of the show. But just a just an excellent cigar. I mean, just well-made. This is what I think a Cuban cigar should taste like. And also, let's talk about it. We teased it before the show. We're going to finish up our legislative news. A Lincoln judge has denied a motion seeking to block the state from carrying out a Nebraska Department of Revenue. That's an important phrase in this story. Yes. Nebraska Department of Revenue definition of change that lumped certain cigars as cigarettes for tax purposes. So what this is is all the cigarette companies have to pay the state a certain amount of money for health care. Right. And all for the long-term effects of cigarette smoking on the general populace. And they decided they wanted more money, so they lumped machine-made small cigars into that. Well, and the you, the language that has been in this, you know, portion of the Nebraska legislature has, has always been kind of what we would expect to see in terms of... Uh, differentiating between cigars and cigarettes, you know, tobacco roll leafed and, and um, you know, filtered or non-filtered and that sort of thing. And they just basically, it actually includes, I, this is something I didn't realize. The prior interpretation of this included a, a settlement that was actually 46 states that that all kind of came together and, and rallied around this one particular you know, reached a settlement and what's taxable at this rate and what's not and that sort of thing. Well, the I'm against the sin tax as a principle, right. as a concept to me. That's just that's just foolish that, that that we have sin taxes on alcohol and cigars and cigarettes and tobacco products in general. I'm just I'm it blows my mind that we ha- that we live in a modern society where we have a quote sin tax. Yeah. And all. It's kind of like a privilege tax on houses. Is it a privilege to own your own home, or right. is it a right? Are we not promised that in America? Uh, actually, no, I don't think homeownership is a right. I think it should be, to a, home, a certain extent. Homeownership should be a right. Every man should have the right, or woman, to have their place, their home, 
their own, you know, But then you get domain. into government regulation over real estate prices. Right. Because that's the only way you protect that. Right. Yeah. And the markets, the market dictates real estate prices more than anything. If you live in a good school district, you pay more for your houses. Right. And, uh, you know, Williamson County here in Tennessee has the highest tax rates around, but they provide more parks, more civil services, more things are right. done for Williamson County with those tax dollars. I don't have a problem with that. But I guess my point is if it, if home ownership is a right, then, but someone can't afford because of the market rates of the property, are they, is the market infringing on their rights to home ownership or is it just moved to Boise? No, that's why we have HUD. Well. That's why we have housing and urban development that can give low interest loans to people of lower income, which is the best way for it to work. True. But if there's no houses in your area that fulfill those requirements, then you're left with the gap. But you're also talking to the guy who thinks that uh, driver's licenses should be a right rather than a privilege. But we can talk about that after yeah, that, the Yeah, that's another podcast. This is a cigar podcast, and hence. So as long as we're talking about this, kind of bring it back to this article, one of the first things that I thought of when I was um, reading this was actually a question to you. Now, do you still believe that um, Swisher is against the cigar exemption? I won't say I've ever believed it, but I can see how it would benefit Swisher to be against the cigar exemption. I can see how Swisher would benefit greatly. Well, because one of the things that we haven't talked about in in this article is that Swisher is actually the the plaintiff in this case. Right. So I I think this, this does a pretty good job of assuaging any doubts that they have the cigar industry's best interest at heart. They do, as long as it lines up with their interests, which is a business. They're, they're beholden to their stockholders, and that to do that, they have to please their customers. True, but my, my point is, the, their bread and butter, the small, the uh, little cigars, as they're pretty much known everywhere else, that is their bread and butter. And so, up until this point, they've been included in the definition of cigars. So, therefore, the cigar exemption still benefits them. It does. And, and so this is a case where their main product line is coming under attack, and they took the, they took the steps to file an injunction. And so I think this anybody who did believe that Swisher was sort of on the fence about the exemption, I think this kind of shows that they're, they're willing to put their money in their, where their mouth is when it comes to protecting the rights of the cigar consumer. True, but I'd much rather see them make a huge donation to CRA than to file injunctions. I'd rather them took all the money they spent on lawyers and sent it to CRA as a whole. Mm. But I'm not in charge of Swisher. And all. But let's talk about a new cigar. You know, I, one of my favorite parts of the show is always telling people about new cigars, because this is one I'm looking forward to. Ashton ships a new version of the Aroma de Cuba Edition Especial. This is from Aficionado. Um, I love the Aroma de Cuba. I do too. And uh, it's to me, it has a great flavor to it. It's a little fuller-bodied cigar. It's a cigar smoker cigar. Mm-hmm. And in uh, the special edition, um, they're made by the Garcia family in Nicaragua, and tobacco is grown for the Garcias in Esteli, Jalapa, Namanji, Nicaragua. You don't hear much about Namanji. No, you don't. And uh, and they're making a six by sixty. I was yeah. I knew that's what got your interest. I'm. I'm interested in this cigar just because, you know, I've talked about on the show, La Roma de Cuba was one of the first cigars that I, you know, once I started smoking cigars, true to form, as I've proven for the last 15 years, is I tend to find a cigar I like and keep going back to that well. 
And La Roma de Cuba was the first cigar that the people over at Don's Humidor put in my hand and said, why don't you try something new? So there's always a, there's a, I'm always going to have a soft spot in my heart for, for La Roma de Cuba. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, especially, you know, they're priced between $7.50 and $8.90 a cigar. Yep, and these wrappers come from higher primings. So we haven't talked about priming on the show for a little while, so I want to do a quick a quick litany on priming. So primings are the different levels of the tobacco. The more sun tobacco receives, the more tar, for lack of a better word, and the richer that tobacco is. And that's the art of blending a cigar, is blending those primings from the bottom of the stalk to the top of the stalk of the tobacco. Right. Most notably, the priming that you hear the most about is Lajero, and that's where you get a lot of the strength in a cigar. That is the very tip-top of the tobacco plant. Right. And that's the... when You can make as strong a cigar as you want, just put more Lajero in it. Right. It's taking the binder and the filler is really what brings that flavor together. You don't necessarily want to That's where you get your, your Seiko and your Viso, which are two of the lower primings on the plant, um, where you, do, you don't get as much strength, but that's where a lot of the flavor comes from as well because they're partially shade-grown just because of the anatomy of the plant. Yeah, it, it's just it's the anatomy of a cigar. The art of blending is the art of blending these different primings. Now, of course, you do have stalk-cut tobacco, which is a little different in the primings area. But still, the tobacco at the top that receives the most sun is always going to have. That's why Connecticut Shade is always a lighter wrapper. Right. And also, I did want to touch on priming just a little because we hadn't talked about it in a while. But I'm very excited about this. The Roma de Cuba Edition Special, I'm... I'm excited to give that one a shot. I am too. There, I, I have a feeling we'll probably be able to find that um, around here as well. Uh, we've got a couple of shops in the area that do pretty well with La Roma de Cuba. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a pretty easy road to get our hands on it. Well, I got my hopes up because I just looked at this article and then I got here and Beth was unpacking the latest shipment. And I thought, I asked her, I said, hey, is that is this edition special? She said, no, we just got these. Yeah. <laughs> So they're coming out. Be looking for them in your shop. Let's talk about African-made cigars. Oh, you're jumping around on me. Oh. So the article from Reuters is actually from Reuters.com. Can Made in Africa cigars compete with Cuba? Yes. Moving on. End of article. <laughs> <laughs> well, interesting that we would both be smoking Cuban cigars on the show for the first time when we read this article. Yeah. Well, we're actually talking about this article. But here's the thing. The availability of Cuban cigars and the fact I believe Cuba is a little behind the business. I don't believe Cuba is like Nicaragua or Dominican Republic that's kind of always on the cutting edge of the business. Well, and I was talking about this with a rep the other day, and I'm not going to disclose this person's name either, mostly because I don't remember which one it was. (laughs) But the uh, Cuban cigars were never known for the quality of their tobacco. They were always known for the quality of the, the blend itself and the construction. Well, when, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show, America is the, or the U.S. is the largest consumer of cigars in the world. So when the embargo passed, it really hurt that industry. So all of the talent left Cuba. So everything that made a Cuban cigar really, truly a Cuban cigar is now being are now Nicaraguan Dominican cigars, and I believe Nicaraguan cigars should become the new standard bearer in the cigars. I think Nicaraguan is the standard bearer. 
Uh, I'm I'm gonna Dominican is just, I mean it's a different palette. You know, Dominican cigars to me. I mean, because if you look at like Fuente and Diamond Crown, and and you know J.C. Newman, just portfolio in general, those are, and even La Aurora, and you know those are Dominican cigars that I would put up against any other cigar in the industry. And Nicaraguan tends to fit our palates a little bit better, but ever for the bat. About the last year and a half or so, I've been going really hard on Dominican cigars. I smoked a ADN today. They're fantastic, you know, and it's it's really hard to beat. So, but to that point, I think Cuban cigars are really losing their, you know, the, the people that exclusively smoke Cubans, I think, either don't know any better or have an income level that allows them to smoke the cigars that weren't affected namely the Cohibas and the Boulevards. Well, and they, they also kind of have that air. They want, they, they, they want you, know, you to know they're smoking a Cuban. They, they drive a Mercedes because they heard Mercedes is the best. Mm-hmm. If they could buy a Volkswagen that would be more car for half money, they'd still drive the Mercedes. Exactly. It's, it's all in the kind of person you are. But So in Johannesburg, Kamal Mukiber. How did I, I do pronounce that? I'm certain you pronounced that right. And uh, he is a Lebanese former banker that just started to start producing African cigars. And he said he was very grateful when he got his first order. Our first order, they now produce about ten thousand cigars a month. I'm looking forward to some of these showing up. I would give an African cigar a full round. I absolutely would. And uh, I mean, because now Cameroon is an African it tobacco is. anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, now it's sometimes grown in Nicaragua, Dominican, but I believe its roots are in Cameroon. Yeah. Or absolutely. in Africa. Yes, that's that's correct. Um, and we've started seeing some African tobaccos show up. The Don Lito Africa actually has tobaccos from Africa. In it. And, you know, he even mentions, you know, to- Africa's been growing tobacco for 100 years. They've got, they know what they're doing at this point. It's not like someone just found some land over in Mozambique and said, well, let's, let's see if this plant works. Like, no, they've, they've been cultivating their fields and they know what they're doing. Well, and going back to talking about the nature of how cigars are made, that's what a cigar maker is looking for. They love to have an area that's dry by nature because then they can control through modern irrigation how much water the tobacco gets. Exactly. And, 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 you know the the biggest thing that you that that dictates the yield of the crop is is water, right? Yeah, and, and too much water. You know, we had an article a couple of podcasts back that Nicaragua had received too much rain, so they were not doing as great on there. You're giving your cigar the eyeball. Is that cracked wrapper still being a problem to well, you? Well, I'm just making sure I'm lining it up with my lip so that I get a good seal around it, so I'm not getting air moving through it. And it's so dark over here, it takes me a while to find the crack and, and make sure I've got it lined up right. Well, this, it's interesting, the things that go on in the cigar shop that can distract you. There's a guy at a table next to us. He has a plaid out. He has a set of house plans. He's looking at Google Earth. I really want to go over there and give him all of my professional opinions. <laughs> Just butt into his business. That all. It's funny, the different things that kind of catch your eye right. as you're going through the cigar shop. Because people come here to do work. 
yeah, you know, there's nothing this, like a good cigar and trying to do, you know, doing a little work. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been here since twelve thirty today, and I start out. I had a meeting here, and I was working here, and you know, it's just. And I've talked to to many people, you know, in the Nashville area. Anybody, ta- anytime someone talks about a great cigar shop for the for the day crowd and sit around and do some work. This is the shop that comes up. Even other cigar real t- retailers will say, "That's the that's the lunch crowd. That's the working shop." But yeah, the guys that can knock off early, that's got a little paperwork and doesn't want to be mm-hmm. in the office and wants to be able to have a little cigar while they're doing. I've done it when I've had a plan that's yeah. been particularly troublesome. I'll come here and bring my laptop and fire up a cigar, and I can kind of work through the plan that way. Yeah. And well, I draw with both hands, so it takes a little little more time well, to smoke yeah. my cigar. But one of the things I think is interesting about this article too, um, it says that his prices uh, are about ten percent less than the equivalent Cuban, which I'm sure has a lot to do with import taxes and duties and 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 that sort of thing, um, and shipping. But you know, standard smoke for this guy's selling around thirteen dollars, which is not bad. No, that's that's pretty much going to become the standard in our lifetime. Yeah, um, sooner than later, in fact. But he says they appeal to those looking for an African terroir, which is a French term that is predominantly used in winemaking. But we've talked about it on the show before, how it, it affects basically any agricultural product where you're going to be looking for certain tasting notes. And, you know, in, in France in particular, you know, these huge vineyards... One field next to the other, growing the same grape, are going to have slightly different and nuanced flavors based on the soil content and the sunlight and the rain, the way the rain moves through the, and it affects, you know, tobacco plants just the same way, like we were talking about with water content and that sort of thing. So, that hearing somebody talk about a new cigar in that way shows me that they're really interested not just in. A quick dollar. You know, he's not making an African cigar just so he can say, we make the only African cigar in the industry. He really cares about the craft. This is somebody that is has a passion for what he's doing. Anytime you talk to somebody in the manufacturing side of, of cigars and, they, and they, you can see that passion come through, you almost always get a good product out of that. Well, you know, I got into a very detailed conversation with a cigar manufacturer the other day, and he was talking about the hardest cigar he ever tried to blend was a triple Lajero, because his his blender kept bringing him cigars that were just strong for the sake of strength. And he said, I don't want to put my name on a cigar that's just strong for the sake of strength. Now, he swore me to secrecy, but I'll just say to what the binder was, but he changed the binder and brought that strength down. You know, he had the triple Lajero number of leaf in there but he was able to change the binder is actually how he brought the flavor of that cigar together yeah and it's it's one of my favorite cigars that he makes but he said that cigar was just it it was friday night and he was getting on the plane saturday morning to leave nicaragua and he it hit him hey come roll one of those and put this binder in it and And it unlocked it and it yeah and it just unlocked it he found the combination but speaking of unlocking it Launch of the Humidor Gloria Cubana, 500-year Habano from Cigar Journal. Um, go to CigarJournal.com and pull up this article. Um, okay, here's my question. I'm looking at this Humidor. Where do the cigars go? See, I'm wondering the same thing. And Does it rotate? <laughs> does it, uh, you know, are they drawers? 
So it's five cigar boxes kind of wrapping around a, a chapel or lighthouse. I don't know what that is. It's a spire of some kind. But it, and it looks, they're arranged in such a way that it looks like a staircase. So, you know, obviously the, the one on the top looks pretty easy to get open. Yeah, are they, are they hard-mounted? Do you have to open, like, all the boxes to get to the bottom one? I don't understand this. I don't either. And, okay, hey, folks. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah, a humidor should look like a humidor. I mean, now, okay, I'll let you do the jar and all the jar humidors, which have a lot of tradition and all. I actually have a jar humidor coming and all that I've ordered from somebody because I want to try putting some of my favorite cigars in there and aging them in that ceramic. Yeah. Just to see if it gives a little different flavor. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take the cigars that come in and out, and I actually want to I want to put them in there, and I want to see what that does. I want to because you know, um, when you make homemade wine, if you happen to make a batch of homemade wine that don't taste just right, you can put it in a clay jar and age it for a little while, and it takes on some of that same as whiskey takes on mm-hmm. the um, characteristics the, of the barrel, right? And also, I'm interested to see, but but I think it should a humidor needs to look like a humidor. This does not look like a humidor. It doesn't. It looks like an art piece. Yeah, and all, but it's very cool. It is. I mean, they didn't put the price on it. I know, which is one of those things that I always... But they did say they're only making 100 of them, so you know it's not going to be cheap. Produced in Cuba by Humidores Habana. So, you know, you're going to be several hundred dollars into getting this one actually out the door. Um, To wrap it up tonight, I want to touch one article that I really liked, and it's from View the Vibe magazine. And the articles, I, I love, if you look across the top, if you go to viewthevibe.com and to their website. I already closed this one down. I didn't think you were going to touch it. There's Cool Vibes, Best in the 6IX City Life and Going Down. So this is not a cigar publication. Right. Let's just say this is not attracting a lot of cigar publications in there. And they have a picture of the Monte Cristo Open Eagle, which is one of my favorite Monte Cristos. Mm-hmm. Um, and the article is titled, Surprising Facts About Smoking Cigars You Need to Know. And, I'll, and they don't give a an author. It's from the Vibe team. So, um, so much about this article is against me. <laughs> Is against me as a whole. It feel, it feels a little hipster for me. But I do like seeing cigars being brought into different aspects. People that normally wouldn't encounter the cigar lifestyle. Number one, smoking one or two a day can keep the doctor away. This is a conversation I've had in the cigar shop a lot of times. You know, people you know talking to their cardiologist or talking to their you know, primary care physician or whoever it may be. And, you know, yeah, I smoke about a cigar a day or so. And I've never met anybody whose doctor told them, oh, my God, you have to stop that. Yeah. Yeah, I've never I've never seen anybody that the doctor just shook his head. Most time the doctor, well, what do you smoke? And he's generally, you know, of the kind that like it. Um, now, it does say even if you don't inhale, don't inhale cigars. Right. <laughs> okay, just just... Just put that in the article. Hey, don't inhale your cigar. It's not a good thing. Um, And cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. But I don't know anybody that smokes cigars as an alternative to cigarettes. Do you know any? No. It's two different people. Uh, Number two is cigars used to be fairground prizes. We've talked about that on the show before. It's where the phrase close but no cigar comes from. Right. And then famous people and their cigars. Of course, the most famous is always going to be Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Sigmund Freud. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Exactly. Fidel Castro. I I think he goes. Is he not is going he under infamous? infamous? Yeah. <laughs> He's more emphasis infamous yeah. than famous. And Queen Catherine the Great of Russia. See, I didn't I didn't know about this one. Yeah, that's that's some of the um, the Queen Catherine loved smoking cigars, but she hated the way they made her hands smell, and that's why we now have bigger labels on cigars, which is pretty pretty interesting. And of course, Mark Twain, who of course, has a million great quotes. Um, cigar production is no easy process. Does anybody think it is? I don't think so. I mean, I just—if you've ever tried to roll one yourself. <laughs> well, and it goes on to say, you know, two hundred pairs of hands touch a cigar before they get to you. Um, typically, planted in a tray and grown in a greenhouse. Once, you know, then they're trans transplanted into fields. Once it's cured, it's you know. Um, or they're, they're removed by hand, harvested, hung to term when they're cured. You know, and it kind of goes through all the steps. Here's what I like about this article, because that was, and it kind of touches on it in the next little thing. So those were the only four little facts that gave us. Every single one of those are relatively well-known, but not necessarily you know widely known. These are little trivia things that you can bring into the cigar shop and kind of share with your buddies. And I, I like the way that this is... You know, everyone knows the phrase close but no cigar, but but very few people, and especially because, you know, our audience is so small, very few people know where that phrase came from. So these, you know, these unknown facts that it's talking about are things that, that you can bring into the cigar shop and say, hey, did you know, and, and be kind of a conversation starter. And I like that. Well, and we do that a lot. A lot of times when we're sitting here at the shop, we're actually talking about cigars. You know, hey, what have you smoked lately that you like? And what's unique about that cigar? And one of the most frustrating questions for the uninitiated is when somebody says, well, what do you like about that cigar? Because for some people, that's very hard to put their finger on. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was with a fellow this last week, and I put him on a Don Lino Africa. And when we were sitting there, he said, so what's unique about this cigar? And I said, well, there's only two cigars that have a Cameroon binder, this and the CAO's Ocala, that, I, that are... Well, Widely, no. yeah. I'm sure there are many others. But mass production cigars that actually have a Cameroon binder. And very good. Very mm-hmm. good. And actually, I got that knowledge from a listener. And all. he actually asked me um, what was the other cigar that had a Cameroon binder and stumped me. Oh. And all. But what was, when you first started this hobby, what was the most surprising thing? What defied your expectations of being in a cigar lounge? I'll get you to think about it because I'll tell you mine. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm actually glad you phrased the question the way you did. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me think about it while you tell yours. The generosity of the cigar crowd was floored me. Of the guys that, you know, nobody here buys a box of cigars and doesn't reach in the box and hand one to somebody. Right. And I'll, just the generosity of cigar smokers in general. There's always somebody, you know, um, the Royal Rumble is this weekend for wrestling. And I know some of the guys coming to the Rumble at my house are cigar smokers, and they're going to bring me something really unique. That's how I got to smoke a Liga 10 at WrestleMania last year. Right. And I'll, and just the, the overall generosity of cigar smokers really blows your mind when you're just stepping into the hobby. Yeah. For me, it's a diversity. You know, we've talked about it so much on the show about how you've got a handyman sitting next to a neurosurgeon sitting next to a world-class attorney sitting next to Joe the Plumber. You know, and it's just the fact that everyone is truly welcome. 
you have some shops that are more so than others uh, and some that are less so than others. But by and large, it is such a diverse crowd. Well, and it's like, you know, when we were at Smoker's Abbey, they actively fight getting clicks together in their cigar shop. Right. You know, that's one of their their tenets of business is we're not going to have a segregated cigar population in this place. Speaking of which, I was actually up there last night having a cigar after I went to the gym, and and I was just sitting at the bar, you know, playing on my phone because I was just kind of downloading from the day, so to speak. And and Josh walks up and he goes, hey, you and just basically forced me and the guy I was sitting next to to start having a conversation. I ended up talking to the guy for like 35 minutes. Yeah, it's just it's amazing because it is a unit of time. And it is a time to share with people and to share with people who you normally wouldn't interact with. Right. You know, not not because you think you're better than them, just your Be- paths, because your wouldn't paths cross. would not otherwise cross. Exactly. And also the sharing of knowledge and everything. But it's very surprising to anybody who's not been in the cigar industry or been around cigars. I think that would shock them the most. Yeah, I think so too. And also tell them how to get a hold of us, Trey. So. You can get a hold of us via email at info at thecigarcast.com. We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast, and you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. So give me a judgment on the Cuban. It is it is so good. I, I'm having a hard time with the number. Right. Because of the fact that it's a Cuban. Mm-hmm. And it's, granted, I didn't have to pay for this one, but this is a, you know, so you have to think about value for dollar in what it would be. You, I still think it's a six. See, it's a six and a half for me. Yeah. The only reason it's not a seven is going to be the availability and the availability of telling people, hey, to go out and get one. Because this was a, these were a limited production. There mm-hmm. were only 600 of these particular sticks made um, that he happened to get his hands on. And, all, and I bought 25 of them. And just um, that that's the only reason. For flavor, for construction, for draw, for everything, I can't fault it in any yeah, way. I can't either. And it's not even my, you know, I, I wouldn't even say it hits my palate squarely. You know, not that it leaves me wanting for anything, but it's not the cigar that I would choose as my favorite cigar just based on flavor profile alone. But that being said... I do like it that much. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Six and a half is probably a bit more fair. Um, yeah, just trying to make sure balance out the, you know, the enjoyment versus the, the difficulty in getting hold of it. Well, and it's nice to have something like this in your humidor. Um, you know, something that you can't just pick up everywhere. So when you do have a special event and you've got three or four guys, you know, we were at a, we watched Titans game together at one of our buddies' house the other day, and he pulled out some very special cigars. Actually, I wouldn't have took one if I knew how special they were. Right. But um, some very special cigars. And it's nice to have that in your humidor. But yeah. Put that in your humidor. Put, put something really special that you're only going to break out occasionally for when you have those people over and you want something different. Yeah. And I will thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Yeah.